Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to Midwest Madness, your true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And I want to give you guys a fun fact. When Emily says okay before we start, <laughs> that means that we've restarted. Yeah, <laughs> we had a little interruption in the first one, so this is take two, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, um, Danielle. We, <laughs> yes, we do want to, this is going to come out two weeks after the school shooting in texas but we did want to make sure that we mentioned it um and the i think three weeks since the one in New buffalo York. yeah so um we just want to kind of mention it and not get political about it but just say like you know our hearts and prayers and thoughts are with the families of the victims and the victims themselves and um we just want to say like you know it's got to stop we have to do something because this is not <laughs> normal and it's hard especially when you work in schools uh, like I do it it just hits different so I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that it happened and send out our condolences to all involved yeah it's just a terrible thing so um yeah enough is enough let's so now back to our regularly <laughs> scheduled programming. Yeah, uh, it's Emily's turn. Yep. Um, and we're headed back to Iowa, which um, I said before, but I feel like Iowa is the was the Washington of the Midwest. Like, so we just there's so many stories that happen here. So can't get away from it. We really can't. <laughs> um, but also I had just like a very long, exhausting week. I was still recovering. <laughs> from last weekend she's not as young as she once was you guys yeah the lack of sleep really just got to me (laughs) um so i i wanted to do a story that a i knew and b i knew i could find a lot of information on so it went i didn't have to like you know dig and dig and dig and try to find enough information to make a story so sometimes that's it's 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 hard sometimes yeah it's like oh my god i'm finding all the same information yeah and like just yeah it can be hard. So, so. Uh, this um, story is... If I know it, do you want me to pretend like I don't? I feel like you... It's pretty infamous. Okay. It's the Velisca axe murders. Oh, this is a gruesome... Yeah. Yeah, she brutal. It is brutal, but... I'm glad you did this one because I certainly was never going to. You weren't? No. Really? It's too much for me. I mean, it's like a... A sad story, but we don't really focus that much on the... That's... Yeah. That part. That's true. guess, but... um, Yeah, I was never going to do this one. It's not even on my list. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I kind of thought it would be. Really? Just because it's so, like... I feel like it's such an infamous story. Yeah. And I had only heard of it for the first time a couple months ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard, like, three or four podcasts on it. I don't listen to to as many, and we listen to different ones. We listen to different ones, for sure. Yeah, so... But, um, yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's a doozy. So, our story takes place in the small town of Aliska, Iowa, which has a population of just 1,162 as of 2020. I was going to ask if that was a now. That's tiny. Back then, I think it was around 2,500, and it was more of like a bustling town because it was um, a railroad stop. Oh, okay. Yes. It is located in the lower southwest corner of the state, not too far from the Missouri and Nebraska borders. The town has a Casey's gas station, a Dollar General, and a cafe, and that's about it. 
Hopping. Yeah. When I looked on Google Maps, like those are the only things that popped up. Oh so. my god, that's so funny. Um, that and also the Villisca Axe Murder House. <laughs> Is it like a tourist place? Like, can you- we'll get into okay. it? Yeah. Um, now we're going to be traveling back to the year 1912, and on the night of Sunday, June 9th, which when this comes out, it'll be. Oh damn! Yeah, I didn't even like plan right that. that. It'll be pretty close to. June 9th is our last day of school, so it's a Thursday. So two days before, probably. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. But um, Good June timing. 9th, things seemed pretty normal in the town of Villisca. Josiah Joe Moore, I will be calling him Joe, okay. who is 43 and his 39-year-old wife Sarah took their four children to the Children's Day service at the local Presbyterian church. The four children are Herman Moore, who was 11, Catherine Moore, who is 10, Boyd Moore, who was 7, and Paul Moore, who was 5. The Children's Day service was the end of the year celebration for the Sunday school program. Sarah was co-director of the Sunday school and she helped put the celebration together. So um, the kids did like a little performance, little speech, little, you know, whatever. Um, And then after there was some social mingling, they called it. Okay. And that lasted until about 9.30 p.m. Um, that night, two neighbors of the Moors had decided to spend the night. Uh, they were 12-year-old Lena Stillinger and 8-year-old Ina Stillinger. It's either Lena or Lena. I heard it said both ways. Okay. So the... Pick the one you like the best. I like Lena. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so the crew of eight all left the church and headed the three blo- blocks back to the Moor household. Um, the next morning, June 10th, another one of the Moore's neighbors, Mary Peckham, became concerned when around 7.30 a.m. there had been no movement at the Moore household. She said that it seemed quiet and deserted. Um, it was unusual for it to be so quiet that early in the morning because they had, like, chores and stuff to do. Yeah, because it's a farm, so yeah, have got so, animals to take care of. Yeah. So, there, she was like, this is odd. Yeah. So Mary called, well, first she went and knocked, no one answered. So then she came back and she called Joe's brother, Ross, who came over around 8 a.m. to check everything out. Um, He had a master key, so he was able to get into the house. And when he entered to look around, um, he noticed in the downstairs back bedroom, there were two figures covered with a sheet. He also saw blood all over the bedspread. At this point, Ross exited the house and called Joe's the dad's hardware mm-hmm. store asking employee there ed selly to fetch marshall henry horton because quote something terrible had happened end quote Ugh. and something terrible did happen um henry arrived to the moore house around 8 30 a.m and began making his way through when he came back out he told ross that there was quote someone dead in every bed end quote oh god the- can you imagine being no Ugh, hearing that about your fam- your brother's family. No. The murder weapon had been found partially cleaned and was left leaning against the south wall of the downstairs bedroom where the two neighbor girls, Lena and Ina, were found. It was believed that someone around, oh, sorry, sometime around midnight, the night before the killer or killers, picked up Joe's axe from the backyard, entered the house, and bludgeoned to death all eight people inside. Only 
Victims were found in their beds with their heads covered by their bedsheets or an article of clothing. They all had their skulls bashed with 20 to 30 blows from the blunt end of the axe. Besides Joe. Joe was the only one who was killed with the sharp end of the axe. Interesting. I didn't remember that detail. Yes. In both the parents' room and the children's room, there were marks on the ceiling, apparently made by the upswing of the axe. So it just kind of shows how much force was being used. Um, Lena's nightgown had been pushed up and she had been left exposed, but doctors concluded that she had not been sexually assaulted. Good. Yes. I mean, not good not that good, she's dead, but, but like good that she also. I know. I almost said. I almost added the word like thankfully in there, and then I decided I was like, I'm not gonna. I don't. Yeah. She's I, something terrible still. Happened. I think everybody would have known that it wasn't. That no. wasn't how you meant it, but still, I get why you didn't. Well, like, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't think anyone would be mad, but then in my own mind, I was like, well, it's not really. Not really. Yeah. She's still not alive. So yeah. She also died very brutally. Um, Absolutely. She also had a blood stain on her knee and a defensive wound on her arm. And she was the only one with defensive wounds. There were a few other super odd and bizarre things about the crime scene. First, there was a four pound slab of bacon left leaning up against the wall next to the axe, which they believe the killers or killer did. Um, second, the killer or killers had searched the drawers in the house for pieces of clothing to cover every single mirror in the house, as well as the glass of the entryway door, um, and they shot all the blinds. Hmm. So, weird. That is really weird. Um, no, I'm sure you can guess, but it didn't take long for the news of the murders to travel around the small town, and for curious onlookers to start coming to the house. Law enforcement pretty much immediately lost control of the scene, and as many as a hundred, I've heard anywhere from a hundred to two hundred people, walked through the house contaminating the scene before the Villisca National Guard arrived and cornered off the home. Which, God. like, Ugh. that's a little fucked up. You want to just walk through and see a bunch of, like, a whole dead family? Yeah, th- I was thinking that too. I was th- it's, but it's odd. Like- it's like that weird morbid fascination yeah, about people but who at some point don't you have a line you would think but like we i would say we have like a little bit of a morbid fascination we do a true crime podcast yeah but i doubt either of us would ever like cross that line no i don't know it I just mean, seems weird i could see like if there was a crime scene in the neighborhood being like what the hell is going on being curious about it but, but you're I, not gonna walk through no, a house absolutely not not i'm not even gonna go to the crime scene right exactly i'm gonna be curious about it but so stay away my point exactly yeah you're you're absolutely not it's wrong. just weird it is super weird and it's really tasteless honestly yeah um investigators concluded that everyone in the house had been asleep at the time of their attack except for lena hence the defense's wound on her arm makes sense people in town immediately believed that this had to be someone who they didn't personally know because they were like how would someone we know ever do something like this i think that's the hope with any really truly brutal crime like this though is that it's got to be a stranger yeah because you can't imagine knowing did i spoil something no oh, okay you look like i know my okay. neck is a little sorry sorry no um <laughs> Just to make sure. after the attacks search parties were formed and men on horseback searched every alley barn shed and outhouse in the vicinity looking for some sort of crazy killer covered in blood but that search turned up nothing 
um, people in Villisca were on edge after the murder, wondering if they or their families could be next. And they started doing things like a neighborhood watches where they would guard their doors with shotguns at night or their neighbor's doors. Um, and they nailed all their windows shut, too, so people couldn't come through the windows. Sounds like a fire hazard. That's literally the first thing I thought, too. <laughs> it was like, mm, and then when you said that they set up, like, guns to protect the doors, I was thinking, like, a Home Alone situation. Oh. Where he's got, like, booby traps all no, over the place. nothing like that. Um, Which, I mean, good, but, you at know. At this point, neighbors began suspecting neighbors, and it kind of shifted the vibe in the town once a very close-knit community began to split. Um, now, let's talk about theories and suspects. Police in the town had many different theories, the first being that the crimes could have been the work of a serial killer. Apparently, in the previous years, a series of horrible murders had taken place all over the Midwest. About eight months prior to the killings in the fall of 1911, full families had been slaughtered in their beds every two weeks for no apparent reason. The families included the Burnhams and the Waynes in Colorado Springs in September of 1911, then a killing of a family in Mon- Monmouth, Monmouth, Monmouth. Illinois. I think it's Monmouth. I've heard of this before. Okay, two weeks later. I couldn't find the name of that family. Um, Then the Showman family in Kansas on October 15th, 1911, and then June 5th, 1912, just five days before more family murders, or I should say the Velisca, because it was more than just the Moore family, but another family was killed in Palo, Kansas. Although there seem to be some similarities in this case, interest in the serial killer theory began to fade and was pretty much forgotten. Yeah, I've never heard that it, that theory before that it was a serial killer. That's, it is pretty interesting. That's really though. fascinating. Yeah. One of the most popular suspects for the murderers to this day is a man named Frank F. Jones, who was a Iowa State Senator and a resident of Villisca. Joe Moore had worked at Frank Jones Hardware Store for many, many years before he opened his own competing company in 1908. This obviously upset Frank that he had not only left his company, but when he started his own, um, he had actually taken the lucrative John Deere franchise with him. Oh. So he lost part of that, his business, And that would be a big deal. I don't know about back then, but it's still a thing now, so who knows? And, like, taking a whole company with you, that's it's going to be a good chunk of change. Yeah. Um, there was also rumor that Joe had had an affair with Frank's daughter-in-law, Donna, which further added fuel to the fire. The detective in the case went as far as to confront Frank and his son, Albert. He accused them of hiring another man, William Mansfield, to kill Joe, but Frank and Albert both 100% denied these accusations, and neither of them were ever arrested for the crime. Really quickly, let's talk about William Mansfield. Okay. Um, quote, Blackie, apparently was his nickname. He was the one accused of being hired by Frank Jones and his son, Albert. William was also known as George Worley and Jack Turnbow. According to Detective Wilkerson, who is investigating the crime, he was a cocaine fiend and a serial killer. Detective Wilkerson also believes that William was responsible for the axe murders of his wife, infant child, father-in-law, and mother-in-law in in Blue Island, Illinois. Wow. Illinois. (laughs) Illinois. 
These murders took place June 5th, 1914, almost exactly two years after the Villisca Axe murderers. Okay, I was going to say, why is he not in jail if he's... I don't think he is. Well, but it was was. after the Villisca murders, so... I don't think he ever goes for anything. Um, Okay. Sorry, I lost my place. Easy to be a criminal back then. I guess I don't know. He also thinks he was responsible for the axe murders that were committed in Palo, Texas, just four days before the Velisca murders, and the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Aurora, Colorado. But he doesn't really have any proof of any of this. Okay. Um, Detective Wilkerson says he investigated all the crimes and all the murders were committed in precisely the same manner, so therefore they had to be done by the same person. He also said he could prove William was in the places those places those nights that the murders took place in each murder the victim were hacked to death and the mirrors in each home were covered that's the one thing that really gets me it's like why did you cover them yeah it's weird like it's weird really weird it's like maybe he didn't want to see himself doing it i think i missed a line maybe i thought i wrote it down too but there's also like food on the kitchen table Okay, you said that there was bacon. Bacon, which is also odd. Yeah, but I don't rem- I don't remember you saying anything. Yeah, about I don't food. think I did. I must have forgot to write it down. But yeah, so there was the bacon, the mirrors covered, and food sitting on the kitchen table, like he prepared himself a meal. That's really gross. I hate that. that I really mean, gross. apparently, murdering people makes you hungry. It's just odd. Um, okay. In each case, the murderer also avoided leaving fingerprints at the scene by wearing gloves, and Detective Wilkerson believes William could have avoided leaving, would have avoided leaving fingerprints because he knew that his were on file at the federal federal military prison in Leavenworth. Now, before you get too convinced, oh, sorry, before, yeah, sorry, <laughs> what am I saying? Before you get too convinced, a grand jury was convinced enough by Wilkerson, and in 1916, William was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from Kansas City. However, payroll records were able to prove that William was in Mansfield, Illinois, the night the Villisca murders took place, and he was released for lack of evidence. On top of that, he was also awarded $2,225 in a lawsuit, which he brought against Detective Wilkerson for like wrongful yeah wrongful conviction or yeah whatever. or whatever yeah slander maybe so yikes i mean because like he does sound like a really good suspect yeah but if he can alibi out he can alibi out exactly um and not only did he alibi out but he won a lawsuit so yeah you, that kind of makes you think pretty pretty sure he didn't do it yeah that's a pretty solid alibi yeah if you can win a lawsuit especially that much money back then yeah, I was going to convert it, and I just didn't, so. I do that sometimes, so. <laughs> Our next prime suspect is Reverend George Jacqueline Kelly. On the morning of June 10th, so the morning, the next morning of the yeah. murders, Reverend George Kelly boarded the 519 a.m. westbound train and headed out of La Villisca. While on the train, he told fellow travelers that there were eight dead souls back in Villisca, Iowa, butchered in their beds while they slept. The bodies had not been discovered at this time. Reverend Kelly had arrived in Villisca for the first time Sunday morning and had attended the Sunday school performance that night before heading out early Monday morning. 
He returned two weeks later, posing as a detective, and joined a tour of the murder house with a group of investigators. Okay, what? Reverend Kelly was a traveling preacher and never really stayed at one church for too long. In 1917, Reverend Kelly was charged with the murder of one of the victims of the Velisca Axe murders, Lena Stillinger. While he was in jail awaiting trial, he was interrogated, and on August 31st at 7 a.m., Reverend Kelly signed a confession saying, God had whispered to him to, quote, suffer the children to come unto me, end quote. Doesn't really sound like something God would say, but okay. But by the time a trial came around in September, Reverend Kelly recanted his, his confession and a jury deadlocked 11 to 1 for acquittal. A second jury, jury was immediately remanded and they acquitted Reverend Kelly in November. So. And like, what would his murder or his motive have been? Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's the part that gets People me. People thought he had a little bit of like mental health problems but mm. that doesn't make you killer so no it doesn't um another suspect was a transient named andy sawyer however there was no real evidence that linked him to the crime according to thomas dyer of burlington iowa a bridge foreman and pile driver for the burlington railroad andy sawyer approached his crew in creston illinois um i believe it was illinois sorry at 6 a.m on the morning that the murders were discovered um, he was clean-shaven and wearing a brown suit when he arrived. His shoes were covered in mud, and his pants were wet nearly to the knees. He asked for employment and was given a job on the spot. According Mr. to Mr. Doyer, Andy seemed very interested in the Velisca axe murders. He also stated that he was always anxious and apparently slept with his axe with him in bed. Um, Andy also told Mr. Doyer that he had been in Velisca on the Sunday of the murders and was afraid that he might be a suspect which is why he left Villisca in the first place. On June 18, 1912, just about two weeks after the murders, Mr. Dyer turned Andy over to the sheriff. Andy was, however, able to prove that he had been arrested for vagrancy in Osceola, Iowa, the night of the murders, and the Osceola sheriff confirmed the story, and Andy was cleared as a suspect. I feel like... Anytime there's like a transient though and something happens, they're the ones that are like, because they're an outsider and so people are just like, they don't belong here, so they did it. I don't so, think that was the case with this one. Well, just but the fact that they had someone come through town that they just didn't know seems like a reason why people would point the finger at him. I don't think so. I think the reason was because of... How he was acting, his interest, saying he was in Villisca, saying he thinks he might be a suspect. I think it was more yeah, like that. Yeah, that's not a good look either. You're um, right. Unfortunately, the Villisca axe murderers are still unsolved to this day. It has now been almost exactly 110 years since the murder took place. Jeez. Um, the Moore family home is still open for visitors to this day, and I'm sure you can assume that there's a lot of haunted, scary stories that surround the home. Many different ghost hunting shows have visited this house, including my favorite, BuzzFeed Unsolved. <laughs> oh, they're so funny. Yeah, so funny. I watched it again. Was, was it good? I've Yeah, I watched that one a couple times. It's pretty funny. Um, they're if, so different that it just... I feel like that's what we'd be like if we went the difference is we wouldn't go um <laughs> if you care to do an overnight at the house that is also welcomed 
For the cheap price of $428, for groups of one to six people, you can spend the night at the house. It's really not that bad. If you would like to do a day tour, it is $10 a person, and tours run Tuesday through Sunday between 1 and 3.30 p.m., and that is the story of the unsolved Velisca Axe murders. Would you uh, ever do the day tour? Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. Okay, just not the night tour. Yeah. But I'm also not going to drive to southwest no, Iowa yeah, for I no know. reason. I know. But, like, <laughs> I was just curious if you would at least do one of them. I mean, I've, we've been in haunted houses before. Are you thinking of Tommy's? No, I'm thinking of Glen Sheen. That's, yeah, that too. Do you think Glen Sheen is haunted? Yeah. Just the vibe? Just the vibe. Okay. Um. Yeah. Who do you think? Do you have any idea? Oh, a th- of who did it yeah um, just after doing the research do you suspect anybody i personally kind of like the serial killer theory just because none of my the other suspects really made sense to me yeah but also i should mention too originally they thought that the murderer came in in the middle of the night once they investigated it a little bit more. They f- found out that the killer had actually been waiting yeah. for them in the like house. Like up in the attic, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's also creepy. That's super creepy. Um, they like, And then he, he like waited for them to go to, to sleep. Them get ready for bed and like. I just, or it had to be someone they knew. You think so? I think so. Why do you think that? Why else would you cover the mirrors? I think some people think it's like a ritualistic thing, but I don't. I just think that he didn't want to see himself murdering people. That's just my my guess. Is like. Do you think he did it before or after? I think he did it before. I think he covered. I think he covered the mirrors and And didn't wake anyone up. I think it was like he went into the room. Oh shit! There's a mirror. Cover the mirror kill the person so you think he was able to cover the mirror like go through drawers open drawers find clothing cover the mirror and not wake anyone up i don't know about you but right now in my room there's at least one blanket on the floor no they went through the drawers they said that that yeah well i i not but we don't know that they necessarily went through the drawers to cover their faces what if they just found i said the the mirrors too but they covered the faces too right with the bed sheets oh okay i see so they could have gone through the drawers after everybody was dead that's what i'm saying i think they did it after so they would have it because like whatever was being used to cover the mirrors wasn't necessarily what came out of those drawers that's what they're saying but i have clothes on my floor okay i'm telling you you're making up a scenario that didn't happen but <laughs> they but went through the know? drawers and grabbed yes because the drawers were open and they were ruffled through yeah to you grab clothing dead. yeah but you were saying he didn't want to see him murder people yeah. so he already did it i'm saying <laughs> that he covered the mirrors beforehand and then after he killed everybody went through everything to try and find something maybe he was looking for something no because like there's no other motive like what's the motive where's the motive to just kill all all these nothing was taken from the house yeah so what were they looking for they could have been looking for something they were looking for clothes to put over the mirrors you don't know that yes i do prove it i I just (laughs) proved it in all my sources (laughs) 
Every single source says they went through the drawers to grab clothes to cover the mirrors. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I think he just couldn't look at himself after the fact. That I mean, that could also be it, but... I, I like my theory, my theory way better than your theory. Well, you don't have to like my theory. My theory is my theory, and I'm sticking with it. We're going to put a poll on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> were the mirrors covered before the murders or after absolutely the after there's no way he could have not woken anyone up he did one person the very last person to be murdered so in our family that would be you because you would wake up from the slightest noise right i would not wake up so you could come into my room and i wouldn't wake up so you're well, thinking all eight people besides the one was a very heavy sleeper I've literally come into our parents' house while mom is sleeping on the couch, gone up to her, and she's still asleep on the couch. But you also have to remember, so. this house was like built in 1850. Like, it's not like it's going to creak. It's going to be not well insulated. Just saying. I think both of our theories hold water. And <laughs> I think your, you don't have boat to like, is, your theory boat is sinking. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. That was so funny. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to bail it out with a bucket. I don't care. Okay, explain the bacon. Then. I'd love to hear your theory on I the bacon. I don't know about the bacon. Maybe he got hungry and then he was like, nah, it's too much much work to make this bacon. Maybe he was like, oh, the only way I can cut this bacon is this bloody axe. And now I <laughs> Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. I also find it really interesting that he used the sharp. The- the back end for everybody except for the dad i know which makes it seem like the dad was the target that's why people think the frank jones theory is very yeah because it seemed like the dad was the target yeah everyone else or the dad was just the biggest threat so he wanted to they think he they he killed him first which would be the biggest threat also though like how do you literally murder someone like if someone next to me was being murdered i think i would wake up Okay, I breathe too heavily sleeping next to you and you wake up. So. Yeah, I know. It just is. She gets really mad at me when we go on vacations and have to share a bed. She's like, you were snoring. And I was like, I was not. I have proof. It was just heavy breathing. You never have proof. Yes, I do. I have a sleep app that records when I snore. My proof is that I, I was awake when, and lying next to you. And when Siva snores. Siva snores so loud. <laughs> okay, well, we're just going to go in circles about this. What are your sources? Well, you're not going to tell me who you think did it? You didn't ask. <laughs> I'm asking now. Um, I do think the uh, Frank, the politician guy, I think he is a very, very, very good suspect. Do you think he had someone do it for him? I don't know. That seems the most likely way for him to do it because he has so much to lose. Yeah. But it wasn't William. We can yeah. We know that but, for sure. But that doesn't mean it wasn't somebody else. Right. So that is a good theory. That would be a, probably be my second. So that's yeah, that's that's my guess. I don't know. None of it really makes sense. To no. Me. no so does. you're right. Um. Okay. Uh, my sources were www.velisca.iowa.com, TravelIowa.com, and then obviously if you want to watch the BuzzFeed Unsolved, it's on YouTube. All right, and our socials are Midwest Madness Podcast on group on Facebook, MW Madness Podcast on Instagram, and that is our Gmail, and I think our 
Twitter is Mid Mad Podcast, something like that. I don't know. You can find us. <laughs> You'd think we should just stop saying the Twitter because it's know, not like we even use it. Wanna, I, I've actually gotten better at using it, so I, I do want to promote it, but I don't know what it is. Cool. <laughs> All right, guys. We hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.